This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. It's officially spring. That has many of us planning our summer travel. I've got some warnings, some info for you to share with you if you're planning on taking a trip in the near future. And also, I want to talk about how the way we handle money can end up really painting us into a tough financial corner. And right now, the stakes are higher, and I want to talk about that. So, summertime travels here, and I just read a report on what the airline CFOs were saying to the Wall Street crowd about what their bookings look like for the rest of spring and into summer. And they are crowing a big one about how much they've been able to push airfares up for this spring and summer. Some of it is that revenge travel thing people talked about that people couldn't travel for a while. And some of it are credits that people have that may be sunsetting that they're trying to get used. Same issues come up with the cruise lines, what are called FCCs, future cruise credits, where it's given a boost to bookings as people have money from during COVID that if they don't use those credits by a certain date, it goes poof. So there's an unusual spike in demand for air travel for different reasons. And air travel that you can shift to the second half of August or later will be significantly cheaper than it's going to be from Memorial Day till mid-August. And that is a pattern that's really clear. And because of the way travel patterns work in the summer, in any year, that's how it works. But the differences in what you'll pay could be even larger this year. That then has spillover effect into accommodations. Because even though most travel is done by automobile, not by air, it is a good proxy for travel patterns. So bookings for hotels, resorts, Airbnbs, VRBOs, they're all at their peak summer, Memorial Day to mid-August. So anybody who can shift a little later in that travel, those of you who have kids and the school calendars, that's why people who don't have to worry about the school calendars benefit from doing the back end of summer rather than the first part of summer. So that's just number one, when you go matters. I talked recently, and you may not have heard this episode of the podcast, about how there are newer discounters that are offering potentially real savings opportunities for you flying off the beaten track routes. Now, you know the three oldies of this, Allegiant that specializes in flying out of places that normally wouldn't, might not even have air service at all and are offering flights two to four days a week usually 
to fun in the sun places, vacation kind of places at very cheap fares, but with all the limitations that come with flying Allegiant. You know the Frontier and Spirit Story, except there's one in particular with Frontier. Oh, my goodness. You should see these videos people are posting online. Frontier is giving bonuses to their employees who rip off their customers at the gate. And there's this uh, these incredible videos of people. They have a sizer at the gate. And if your item won't fit in the little uh, personal item thing, they're then charging you 100 bucks, and then the employee gets a percentage of that as a market incentive from Frontier to try to get them to rip off as many people as possible. And Frontier being Frontier is like, yeah, we do this. This is great. Except for the passenger. And I mean, what a way to break down trust. But the crazy videos are ones where people are putting their things in the sizer and then the gate agent says, nope, nope, nope. I still think it's too big. It can't go or you pay us $100. And then they know person's got to get on the plane. They got to go where they're going to go. They're going to their vacation. Frontier, fix this. This is wrong, period. Breeze and Avalo, I've talked about both of them recently that are newer discounters that so far we're not hearing complaints about. And they're offering a lot of new routes, a lot of a little bit off the beaten path routes that they're offering because they're new. They're offering really well below everybody else's fares on them. And that you should know. I want to talk about, though, using a hotel versus using Airbnb or VRBO. There have been so many stories about people who booked private rentals through VRBO and Airbnb. There was one recently that was just mind-blowing about someone who'd rented uh, one of these private stays, in this case it was VRBO, and it was an area struck by wildfires. And the uh, VRB policy is yeah, tough. So what? What difference does it make if the area is closed? VRBO's policy is like, yeah, not our problem. You booked a place that said it was non-refundable. Tough. Airbnb, to their credit, in a situation like that, has in writing that you get your money back. But the gray with that, if there's a natural disaster zone and the property you're staying at is not directly in an affected county, even if you can't get to it because you have to cross the affected area, if it's outside the zone, then their policy doesn't apply. But at least they have one. VRBO, come on, get your act together. Just fix this. But here's the big distinction. Okay, the hotel chains, seeing how VRBO and Airbnb have been so successful having these non-refundable bookings, it could be a year out, you book, you're out your money if you can't go, whatever it is. It's whatever the policy is of the property manager renting the place out, it's life's tough and then you die. That's it. Hotels now are starting to offer what they call their lowest rates by you booking non-refundable. Avoid the temptation. One of the advantages you have typically with a hotel is you will be able to find rates available either with the hotel chain or with one of the third-party booking sources that are refundable for an extended period of time close to when you're going. You'll usually see that two days, three days, or 14 days before three most common numbers 
that that's the point at which most hotel bookings today go non-refundable, where with the private accommodations through Airbnb or VRBO, very common, they're non-refundable at the time you book or many months before you'd stay, and life gets in the way. The insurance you can buy may or may not cover the circumstance that you would later not be able to go. See, that's the double whammy. You pay for insurance on the accommodation, and then your reason for not being able to go is not a qualified reason, and you're out the money for the insurance policy, you're out the money for the stay. So you got to be fully aware when you book an Airbnb or VRBO that really you own it whether you go or not in most of the cases. Uh, and I, I want to mention something I talked about, I think, two months ago, that with a lot of the private accommodations, the ratings are inflated. And there was one article I mentioned that was a joke that every Airbnb is four and a half stars or better, even though many of them aren't any good. And so it is a hard part with any accommodations and the way the system's being gamed, you got to do your work to make sure that the place really is going to be A-OK because you're taking your hard-earned money and your vacation time and booking it at a place. And Krista, I have a question for you as you come in because you have been an Airbnb booker since Airbnb was invented, I think. Mm -hmm. I like Airbnb, but I'm pretty careful. I mean, this this definitely gives me pause, but... The times I've used it, it's been really great for a family. It was when I'm traveling with my family, and it helped us save a lot of money. But I'd never stay in a place that didn't have, I mean, you, oh, I always check the policy, the extra fees, you know, the, the cancellation policy, and that it's got literally hundreds and hundreds of reviews because, you know, you just don't know if something's new to Airbnb. But you've never had an Airbnb blow up on you with it being a bad Airbnb or losing your money? No. Lucky me, I guess. I didn't, you know. What have you stayed in like 50 of them over I've the years? I've stayed in a lot, yeah. Wow. I've also done their experiences too, which have been great. Okay, we do have some travel questions. I'll actually start with this one from David in Utah because it's about hotels. Clark, I've heard you say many times that you consistently get cheaper hotel rates through discount websites like Priceline, and you have discouraged booking hotels directly through the hotel's website. I see the opposite. Most of the time, I see the cheapest rates directly through a hotel's website, especially if you sign up for the chain's free memberships. Am I doing something right or wrong? You're doing something right. It's working for you, David. So what I do is I do my surveying first on third-party websites like Priceline, and I'm looking to see what's out there. I'm looking to see what kind of deals there are. And then I start cross-referencing by checking out the quality of the hotel because, as I've shared with you, the brand name on the building doesn't mean it much anymore. And then I will go to the hotel chain's website direct. And I'm a member of like every hotel program on earth. I'm, I'm a member of hotel programs. I don't even remember when I stayed at that hotel chain. <laughs> and I'll look and see what they have. And I'll check what do they have for, you know, AAA members, where they have, I'm old. So what do they have for senior citizens, whatever. And so I'll try all these things. And still, most of the time I find... I'm better off price-wise on the third-party sites. But then again, I just stayed in a Marriott that I got my best deal with Marriott on a refundable room rate. So 
it does vary. And that's why what you do, checking both, and what I do, checking every possible place known to humankind, is what will ultimately save you money. And I know a lot of people don't have the patience to do the constant shopping that I do, but I reshop my travel bookings before I go. Because so often, for car rentals, probably 90% of the time, the rates drop closer to the rental. And for hotels, it's kind of a 50-50 shot that you'll find a better deal close to travel than what you already have. But if it's the other 50% that it's not cheaper or that it's more expensive, you already have what you have that's cancelable. This is from Christopher in Kentucky. I rented a car for two weeks. I received a mid-sized SUV and was given a rate of $595.54. When I turned in the vehicle, I was told by the unpleasant attendant that my receipt would be emailed to me. When I received the receipt, I was charged an additional charge of $400 for a car wash, which jacked up the bill to $990.74. This is a crazy charge. What can I do? Okay, first of all, let's say that somebody made a clerical error first. Because if I were a car rental company, I'm never going to come up with something as lame as saying you're paying $400 for a car wash. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's just a clerical error. Two things you do. One, immediately dispute it with your credit card company. Two, contact the location that you rented from that will normally be an independent franchise. Three, contact the rental car company itself to their customer no service. You want to be getting on record everywhere. I actually have a fourth. I want you to file a complaint against them with the Better Business Bureau. The car rental agencies, as difficult as they are to deal with, have some reputational worry, and the Better Business Bureau may be potential leverage for you. And it's got to be something weird. I can't imagine that there's actually any car rental company that thinks they can get away with that. I mean, unless they think that they smoked in the car or something. Yeah, I can't imagine. Well, well, that, it would say, smoking charge. What I do anytime I get a car rental that, you know, have a thing in there, $250 fine, $500 fine, whatever it is for smoking in the car. And you get in and you can tell somebody smoked in that car. I, before I leave the rental car plaza, I go have it written on my contract on the paperwork that the vehicle had been smoked in. And that's there before I take my rental happened to me. Two of my last three rentals. This is from Teresa in Idaho. Hi, Clark. Family of four here. We take two to three trips a year. What is the best credit card for us? My husband wants a travel credit card to help with the price of our flights, but I think a plain cashback card would be best. An annual fee is out of the question. We intend to use this card to pay all of our monthly expenses, mortgage, bills, private school tuition, etc. These expenditures equal roughly $8,000 a month, and we pay off our balance monthly. What's best for us? So, Teresa, I am going to shock you beyond the pale. Your husband may be right on this one, and your thing about no annual fee is probably not true in this case, because with you charging roughly $100,000 a year on credit cards, you are someone who may well benefit very nicely 
from having a travel credit card. The one I would think would be most suitable, the one that all the reviewers just love right now, Capital One Venture X Rewards Card. It has an outrageous annual fee of $395. Have you and Mike gotten that card yet? No. I I had it when they had this intro that was just great. Still a, a good upfront bonus. How could I say it'd be a good idea for you to pay $400 for a card? They give you 300 of it back just as travel credits for travel you purchase through their travel portal. So the net annual fee is 100 plus, and that's before other benefits, you get free lounge access from several different airport loungy kind of things that you can bring your kids in for free with you, which is a thing that Capital One does with their card that others may not let you bring your kids in. So you got that as well. You got free food for them. You got a place they can hang out. I think it's absolutely great. Plus you get 2X for all your charging. So like a 2% cash back card, you're getting two back. And then you can use the points for your hotels, for flights, for all different kinds of things. And so I would say in your case, you fit exactly what I talk about. You're taking two, three big family trips a year for four people. That's basically eight to 12 trips, if you look at them, person trips. Plus, you're charging $100,000 a year. You're going to earn enough points that those points will be very useful and valuable to you. You'll earn 200,000 points. Right now, the bonus, and it changes all the time, is 75,000 points just for signing up for the card and doing what you charge in two weeks will get you the 75,000 points, which is worth $750 in travel, basically two years of the annual fee, and then remember all the other credits you get. And we have a guide to the various reward cards on Clark.com. Coming up ahead, here I was just talking about charge, charge, charge. And now, straight ahead, I'm going to talk about Don't charge, don't charge, don't charge. I'm a confusing man, aren't I? I'll tell you why. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know that the average credit card interest rate people are paying in the United States is at record levels right now? It's very disturbing to me because you're paying 
such higher rates than you do on pretty much anything else. And the percent of people that never pay more than minimum is somewhere around a little more than a fourth to a third of people. It depends on exactly how you ask people the question. But we've got a lot of people that are living off of borrowing money from the credit card company. LendingTree came up with a number I've not seen anywhere else that says that the average interest rate is 23 point something percent. That is higher than I've seen elsewhere. But even if you go with what I've seen elsewhere, that it's around 19%. Nobody ever got rich paying Visa or MasterCard 19% interest. Because you think about what that means. Every dollar, you worry about inflation, every dollar you charge immediately is worth 81 cents. That's like piling hurt on top of hurt with the 6% inflation we're running in the United States. So this is really, really nasty what's going on with the cards. And I know that I'm talking about two different kinds of people with the credit cards. There are people who are wheezing financially, wheezing. And for you, just making sure you can put food in your kids' mouths Right now, you feel no other alternative than using the credit card. And I will not tell you that's a bad thing. If you are at life's edge financially, and that's how you're able to make it go right now, that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the discretionary spenders who are running up these balances on cards because, well, you know, I deserve it. And it's a mentality that the banks have so cultivated through their propaganda, through their advertising. To, you know, hey, why, why wouldn't you do that? Life's short. Take advantage of this. Take advantage of that. We'll send you a bill. Yeah, that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you. What's that expression people use uh, about fear of missing out? And there's another one. Fo- FOMO. FOMO. And then there's another one that's like, yo. YOLO, you only live once. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. That people are like, yeah, I, I want it. And that settles it. It's the same issue I've talked about with the pay and force. Thank goodness we don't get all the questions and complaints about pay and force anymore, do we? Mm-mm. That was so prominent. I think so many people have gotten burned by the pay and force. I'm hoping it means that I'm not missing the picture and people are realizing, oops, too hot to handle. You know, this is the thing where you're shopping online. It says, oh, well, you don't need to hesitate to buy. We'll bill you in four easy payments or at the retailer, you're at the register. Wouldn't you like to do this on four easy payments? Four easy payments right into Armageddon because the default rate on those is gigantic and you're ruining your credit over what is almost always an impulse buy with this. So, What I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to get you to focus on your present and your future. You don't want to impulsively buy things you cannot afford to pay for. Because those things end up where? They end up in a closet. They end up in the trunk of your car. They end up under the sofa. You forget that you even got them, but you're having to pay for them. So this is what I really want to reach you about is the impulsive spending done with borrowed money 
undermines your future. And not your future 20 years from now or 40 years from now. It undermines your future when the bill comes the next month. Enough preaching. All right, we'll go to questions now. This one's from Jamie in Florida. My wife encountered a new type of scam. She received a text message from UPS that a package was available for pickup at a local Walgreens. It was redirected from our house. She didn't order it. It was items from a buy now, pay later site that we had never heard of. The criminal used her public info with her compromised social to set up an account since the site says they needed that. We suspect they were going to go there and retrieve the items and stick her with the bill. Only her email address was wrong when we looked it up on the site by order number from the packing slip. She reported the fraud to them, but if she hadn't gotten that text message redirection notice, we'd be getting bills for items we never ordered. It was almost $450. Walgreens required ID, so this may be amateurs testing something new, or they made a fake ID. We don't know. Still on hold with their customer no service after reporting fraud to their billing, and nothing is showing on her credit reports. Okay, so that's all good news in a bad news situation. Uh, So much of this again, goes back to the massive Equifax data breach of years ago that is allowing criminals to buy other people's, essentially, all their key data to create a false identity as if they're you. There are package diversion schemes that are more dangerous than this one, Jamie, and it's where what they do is they have the package delivered to your address. They're watching the tracking, and then they have a pickup that they then have, so let's say UPS delivered it in, they will then have FedEx pick it up or a private courier service so that they're not visible or they may themselves come and pick it up, which brings up something that you need to do right away. And that is to buy very inexpensive exterior cameras for your home since your wife is a target and you want to have video that when a package is delivered and then suddenly it vanishes again from your porch, that you have the video evidence that you may need later with who knows who those packages may be being sent to your address by a crook. Because the diversion to the Walgreens is a different kind of thing than the way this normally plays out. And uh, the... Cameras can be ultra cheap. The cheapest of all are the Wise Cams, W-Y-Z-E. An exterior camera from them, I think it's like $30. And you can use those things nobody ever talks about anymore. Instead of paying them for cloud storage, you can use an SD card in it and do on-site free recording of so much, depending on the size of the SD card, so many hours of stuff. And this is from Javier in Maryland. Clark, I love the show. My wife used to roll her eyes whenever she would hear, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. (laughs) But now even she is tuning in. My question, (laughs) we have $120,000 saved up for a home in Maryland. We couldn't find a house during the big run-up because everyone was going crazy bidding up the houses. Now, even though interest rates are much higher, home prices haven't come down. The houses are even more expensive with higher mortgage payments, and we're feeling like it's not worth it. Do you think the housing market will get any better anytime soon? Would being patient pay off? Renting is not that much better in terms of cost, but at least it gives us flexibility. So there are some markets in the country where home values are actually declining, but not by enough 
to make up for the now higher interest rates. We have a couple of factors here. One, we have outrun most people's ability to afford a home that are trying to buy one. The marketplace ultimately corrects for that. And the way it does this time is going to be different than it might have in a normal environment. Because so many of the people in these homes have ultra low mortgages and they might want to move to a different home or a different neighborhood or a bigger house or whatever and they're not moving because they'd have to go from having their two or three percent mortgage or in your case krista 1.875 yeah they'd have to go from that to today's six percent or so more or less rates so people are saying hey i'm not going anywhere so there are very very few homes for sale And so we're kind of in this standoff right now. But what will happen over time as we have normal economic growth, home prices will likely trail economic growth and activity in the country. So it doesn't mean that prices will go down. But over time, people will have different reasons, different needs, different circumstances that they will sell even though they're giving up their cheap mortgages and all that. There will be new inventory built So this is a terrible time right now, but the prospects in the future are better. Now, there is one opportunity that I have not addressed in a big way, and that is new homes versus used. I always tell you, buy used homes because they're much cheaper per square foot. But right now, new home builders have inventory they must sell. And new home builders are not necessarily cutting the price, but they're improving the terms, like maybe buying down the mortgage rate for the entire 30 years of the mortgage, in which case what you're paying is effectively much less per month because even though you paid that price for the house, you're not paying an at-market interest rate. But yes, it is a very, very hard time to be a buyer and a difficult time for most people to be sellers because of what they'd be giving up that they're locked into. From Patty in North Carolina, is it possible for us to pay cash for a home for our daughter before she sells her current home? Then when she sells her current home, probably in six months, for her to take out a mortgage and buy it from us for what we paid, are there tax implications? So you do this a different way, Patty, and you will absolutely want a real estate lawyer involved in it. What you do is she buys the home as the buyer. You are the mortgage provider. And just as if you were bank of whatever, you are the bank of mom and dad, and you provide the mortgage to her secured by the property. Then it's already in her name when it's time for her to be able after her home sells and she wants to refi you out of that and then have a mortgage on the property. She then takes you out of the deal with the refi and she owns it, and she has the mortgage. It's the clearest, simplest, easiest way. That's why you go to a real estate lawyer, because they know how to do these in-family mortgages, and it's the cleanest thing for her to own it right from the get-go, not you. And then all you're getting is you're getting, she has to pay you an at-market interest rate that the lawyer will be able to show you what the current requirement is, under IRS requirements, you charge her that rate, and then you'll make a little money on that, and then she just 
has the home free and clear under her own mortgage after her existing house sells. So she can't afford to pay the two mortgages. Would they just gift her back the money? Okay, so that is true. You can gift her $17,000 each, each year under gift tax rules. For any purpose. You can do that to any human being. Krista, you want to give me 17? I was just going to ask you. Okay. You want to give that to me? (laughs) No, I got to do it. Anyway, so unless you really need it, then you have to do it. Anyway, so if you want to carry her for a while with it, then that's how you would do that is you just forgive those payments till the old home is sold. But all this stuff can be explained to you by a real estate attorney And if she's buying in your state of North Carolina, it should be a real estate attorney in the state of North Carolina, whatever state it is that the property will be. Not a general practice attorney needs to be a lawyer who practices real estate law. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Remember, if you have a question you need answered one-on-one, we provide free one-on-one advice, information, and guidance from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center, now in its 31st year of operation, available to serve you Monday through Friday from 10 in the morning Eastern Time to 4 in the afternoon. The number, 636-49-CLARK. Have a great day.